All right, team. So we're back for uh, part two. We just just completed part one. So yeah, I'll I'll kick back in with those Snow White notes. So uh, I watched way too much nonsense this this season. Uh, it was all fan. Most of it was fantastic, but this season. one was a special one because I was originally following Shaman King, which which I had you know a fondness for back when it was on. Tsunami, and um, I, I got like five or six episodes in, and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> this is so <laughs> like awful shonen. Because uh, there's there's a sequence where like two female characters are talking. Dan, it's your moment, and they're like, shouldn't we go help the lead man, Yo? And they're like, and then the, the one woman who normally is pretty awesome is like, no. Yo needs to do this on his own because he's a man. And as women, we should dutifully sit here and wait for him to come back. And I was like, eh, what dropped. Is this a thing that has ever been like something they would do? Is this anywhere in their character? Not hers. Normally she would go and like do the things. But nope. I was like, okay, this is where we are now. Oh, this is what we're doing now. Okay, fine. Good. Ugh. So <laughs> that was that was the end of that. And um, I was, you know, just skimming around and, and I read something about this show. And, and the person who was writing it was like, if you like Chihayafu, you should be watching this show. And I was like, uh. excuse you, like ears perk. <laughs> but oh, Chihayafu. So I blitzed through this show, despite everything else I was watching this season to, to catch up and be able to, to do this. So this is a special one. Um, all right, so you guys may remember a while back, I did a show called uh, Kono Totomare, and that was uh, the Koto instrument killed my grandpa. Like, basically, that, that was mm. the real title of the show, is Koto killed my grandpa. And, you know, now I'm, I don't want to be a delinquent anymore, and I want to play Koto with my friends. Uh, this one is definitely Shamisen killed my grandpa, so it's the Shamisen <laughs> this time. Um, but all jokes aside, I, I think this show was really different um like any good music show there's you know the the punk kid who doesn't really want to uh like cultivate his musical talent i guess at first but he you know meets a rival guy and is like oh man i kind of want to you know be able to play like this but what's what's kind of neat about this one is a lot of it's really wrapped in a grief package so you know this kid lived in the countryside his grandfather had taught him shamisen because his mom is like the super famous model and she just like dumped the kids on the grandpa. And so he teaches them shamisen and this kid is like really talented at it. And he's like, I want to play just like my grandpa. And his grandpa at one point is like, I think you should quit shamisen. And he's like, what? And his grandpa's like, you just emulate me. You don't have a style. The, the, the point of me teaching you this instrument was for you to express yourself, to, to be yourself. And he's like, oh, and he doesn't learn how to do that before his grandfather dies. And his mother comes back into his life. So he moves to Tokyo because he's like driftless um, or he's drifting. And his mother comes back into his life and is like, listen, I know you're talented, as talented as the grandfather and the grandfather's whole big shtick was that, like, he had lived through the Depression in, in Japan, I guess, post-war. And he was like, I don't want to play for concerts. I don't want to play for money. 
Like I just I, I play this because it's an ex- it's the way I earned bread during that depression period, and so it's it's like an expression of myself, an extension of me. And the mom is like, he was so talented, the world should know about him. And you are basically him, so I need you to start joining tournaments and playing music his way. Because you are capable of emulating his style. That's what you did as a kid. And so he's going through this phase where, yes, he joins the school and there's like the high school club shenanigans to an extent. But it's really wrapped around the idea of him trying to find himself in the instrument and when he does actually at the end of of the show in this season his mother looks at him and goes you are pathetic and i i have i want nothing to do with you so instead of like embracing the fact that this character is like growing the way these game or music shows normally work uh the important people in his life the important figures in his life are like oh you're learning to express yourself. That is so not what we want out of you. And mm. I found that very compelling because it's it's a show wrapped in kind of a different package. I like all the characters. It does give me a Chihaya Furu feel. And most importantly, the show has a shamisen performance basically every episode. And I'm talking full tilt, beautiful shamisen performance for like four oh, wow. minutes at a time. Like, these are real performances, and they're stunning, and, you know, they even try and get finger movements in there. Uh, All right, so they're really committed to the craft. They're very committed. Cool. Uh, it's a really beautiful show, and I, I I do recommend it. I think if you're into that kind of stuff, um, highly, highly recommended. Now, you said this season. Is there a more seasons of this, or is this a complete show? Uh, it's not a complete show. It ends at the end of, of a core, like they do a, a concert. Uh, but that there, there needs to be more that just, I don't know when it will air. So, okay. So there's more to this, more to this journey. Definitely. And, and I do recommend people give it a try. Yeah. Cool. It sounds really good. So in contrast, uh, I watched a five hour Honda commercial. Ooh, very what? nice. <laughs> <laughs> Is this to com- um, is this to, is this to compete with the like Subaru? Uh... Oh, the Subaru Magical Girl show. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> um. So basically, uh, Super Cub is the name of a like motor scooter that Honda makes, and the Super Cub anime is about a a poor girl uh, who is like an orphaned high schooler, and Super Cub killed to- my grandpa. No, no, no. Oh, no. Uh, oh, okay. I don't think so. <laughs> that would be a twist. <laughs> um, she has to bike up the hill to school every day, and she's friggin' sick of it. So she looks around and finds a decent deal on a, uh, a used Super Cub. And from that point, she sort of gains, like, like her, her sphere of experience begins to grow, basically. And it's a really sort of chill, slice of lifey kind of show about, you know, her and a couple of friends she makes, uh, scooting around. So this isn't like a like a club show. This is more like the people she met by having this bike. Yes. Okay. Hmm. So there's like there's this girl in her class that has uh, some other kind of cub, and they become friends and they do stuff together, and it's a uh, it's pretty chill. 
like she she spends the first couple of episodes really quiet and then like there's a little bit of a time skip where she gets really comfortable around the other character and she kind of they have a little bit more of a a back and forth kind of thing it's always cool to see that happen um nice let's see the a lot of the shots of the bike and even of them on the bikes are cg but they're getting better at it i think yeah, presumably, I mean, if you were the Honda company, you put sort of all of your assets into making the Super Cub look really good. Indeed. Um, and there's an interesting thing that the show does is that most of the show is slightly desaturated. And hmm. you don't notice this generally until there's a moment in like every episode in which it everything pops Okay, kind of like like the equivalent of when a show goes into widescreen or something to really emphasize a point. Right. That's pretty cool. Is it? Does it have a plot, kind of, Brendan? Like, of her meeting these people and, Not and really. progressing? Or is it like, just, I have a cub now, you have a cub now, it's me meeting people along the way, vignette E style? Kind of vignette style. It's like, yeah, you know, you know, what's your opinion on like this or that? Or like, we should talk about what kind of parts we should get. And there's a whole couple of episodes as the, the two girls like winterize. Uh, and, you know, they meet, uh, there's another girl they make friends with who's, she, her parents run this like cafe uh, and they hang out. And I don't know, it's... It was pretty chill. I liked it. Sounds pleasant. Yeah, it does sound so much more pleasant. Because at first, I, I was really worried you were going to go down the track of... Scott, what was that awful show we watched where all the girls had motorcycles? And, like, there was a Suzuki girl. There was the other... And, like, the really dumb girl was the lead maid character. I've, like, blocked... Pseudo-blocked this from my mind. It's, it's like creeping to out the door now. I'm trying to remember a show where everyone had a motorcycle. I just looked into this, and I cannot remember the name of it. So but it's it wasn't another... Long Riders, because that was, like, actual bikes. Right, right. Yeah, right. No, that was, was actual bikes. This was bikes. the same thing, but with motorcycles. I kind of also wasn't Mina Kamagawa Girls, like, Bike Club, which was just, like, regular bikes. Even more regular than the Long Riders ones. Yeah, it was it was really really bad because Scott, you might remember the infamous scene where they they wash their bikes with with their bodies, like it like almost <laughs> turned into softcore porn. Uh, yeah, I actually don't think I saw or remember this show. No, I'm positive. Honda's I'm delivering positive a classier product than that. Yeah, Honda's Honda's trying a little harder than this. We'll have to look it up afterwards. Scott, you definitely watched it with me. <laughs> You, you and I watched it. Man, and I certainly do not remember Well, it good now. for you. You dumped it. It's creeping in the back of my amygdala somewhere. Anyway, um, yeah. So thank goodness. It sounds it sounds very pleasant. Do you recommend it, Brendan? Uh, yes. And do you have a generally more positive opinion of the Super Cub? Like, did it do its job as an ad? I mean, I don't feel like I'm the target audience for, well, like, audience question. I don't think I'm the, uh, the customer demographic for like small motorcycles fair enough but if you ever had to invest in one at least now you know which one you would you know how to winterize yeah <laughs> true nice very nice very nice all right let's go about you're going a totally different a direction. totally different direction about as far away from you know cute girls riding riding super cubs as you can with godzilla singular point um so really good yeah it was really good so just just a quick 
piece of, of backstory. So my husband knows, you know, significantly more about Godzilla than than I do. Um, but his he really loves Godzilla that's got more of a Japan focus. Like American Godzilla is all about like Godzilla just being huge and destroying stuff and like cool we like monster movies, but and I think Japan has sort of swung that way, you know, now, but in the beginning, right, Godzilla is a representation of the atomic bomb. And so there's there's like a cultural significance and, and a real like fear and awe that comes with Godzilla's presence. And so he's a much bigger fan of Godzilla when it involves like a bunch of scientists in a room frantically trying to figure out how to defeat Godzilla. Like no, you know, tanks and helicopters with missiles. Like we got to figure this out with with science and ingenuity. And this show like really hits that that itch you know it really really scratches that itch um it's super interesting uh just right from the get-go i'm gonna steal some information from from anime news network just to, to source it to cite it sorry um this was written like the main writer on this show was a physicist like he used to be a physicist so that gives you an idea about the level of detail that goes into the the plotting because there's like a time travelish element there's ideas about like super materials there's this advanced calculator that's determining the future like there's a lot of science stuff that does deviate a little bit into techno babble like mid to late season but uh the show is super cool uh, it's done by Studio Bones, so, you know, it's it's got pretty decent animation. I would say I wasn't a huge fan of the fact that all the monsters in the show are done in CG. Yeah, that CG could occasionally be pretty ugly. Like, some of it was pretty good, and sometimes, like, the early Rodan models were just like, whoa, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah, like, they, they looked okay when they were static, but, like, the minute they had to move, you were like, what is that hideous thing? Uh, towards the end, when, like, you get when you get to see Godzilla. Godzilla does look, you know, intimidating and imposing. But I think the show is less obsessed with really getting those monsters in than it is about telling this kind of interesting sci-fi story. Uh, yeah, like it did have like you know some pretty some good action scenes, right? They do fight the monsters, and I guess we should say that a number of the different Godzilla franchises monsters show up in the show. Like it isn't just Godzilla, which was kind of a cool thing. Uh, so there's plenty of good action, but yeah, at the same time, it, it also feels very focused on, okay, the monsters are a problem, but how do we solve the problem of the monsters rather than like fighting them one at a time? Correct. Yeah. The fact that they're appearing is, is a bigger problem. Um, you know, the concept of the singular point comes into play, but I loved the science in the show. Like I said, I do, it, it does get a little techno babbly and i don't fully understand it but it's definitely one of those shows you like want to watch twice and take some notes because the way everything wraps together in the end uh is interconnected but it, you just really had to be paying attention uh yeah they did a really good job with that uh and like in early on like the, you know the less techno babbly things like they still aren't something that could happen in the real world, but do a really good job of explaining what they're talking about and having visuals and stuff. So Right, and very very rapidly, like, the whole let's have the army fight these things, like, falls clean out the window. Like, this is science, pure science fighting, you know, the, the creatures, which is pretty cool. Um, so everything, if, if that's what you're in for. 
Yeah, it was also interesting because like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all of Earth scientists arrayed against the Godzilla and the other monsters. There was there's a lot of different like human factions that have different objectives that are all kind of playing off each other. So it's it's more than just a simple like humans versus monsters setup, which is good, even though honestly, the characters ended up a little underdeveloped like i think the science took center stage more than the character development absolutely yeah by the end of the show my husband was like for this show to taste better it needed like less tablespoons of complexity and and more tablespoons of character development to definitely you know to to balance out that that mix uh the characters are not very you know very developed and they're just kind of there to to function but um i guess the other big thing I had which was a downer to me was I don't feel like the threat of the monsters hit home as hard as they wanted it to like at a certain point they are like taking over Japan it's it's really intense but there's never any actual death that occurs like entire buildings are blown up or whatever but no one ever actually dies like in a news report they're never like oh such and such people died so there's never any carnage that equates to, and I'm not, you know, I don't want like Castlevania level gore or anything, but I think I needed like something of relevance to happen to make me feel like these monsters were doing damage. My my favorite sequence was there's a sea creature and uh, it, it's swimming towards this like beautiful bridge and it, it goes and then it just, shoop, it swims underneath it and then comes out the other side and the bridge is perfectly fine. And I was like, what a polite sea monster. It's like, <laughs> oh, that bridge is too pretty. I can't destroy it. Like, I won't do that. So I never felt like there was actually enough destruction happening where I really felt this imminent threat they wanted me to feel. And I don't know if that's just censorship or what, but... Yeah, it did, it did seem like an intentional an intentional choice that, like, essentially nobody dies or even realistically gets hurt on camera is it a way to if, do you think it might have been a way to try and get you to empathize with the monsters that they were just kind of you know nah. just being out in nature the monsters are a force of nature like they're not malicious but they're definitely a problem everyone agrees is a problem they just wanted it to be tv pg it does seem like it's just tv pg or maybe they just wanted a feel i mean maybe they're just going for a certain feel like you know no one gets hurt really but we got to solve the problem I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, like, like one character did die in the show, and like, it's not on screen, and like, it's so off camera. You have to like. It took me two episodes to be like, but are they actually dead? Like, I can't even tell because it happened so off camera. Yeah, like no one really reacts to it. It's just like, oh, I guess this happened. Well, yeah, like they eventually have the character kind of flash back to something that happened weeks ago, like the event happening weeks ago. And it's like, all right, I guess this character did die for real. So someone finally said it out loud. But uh, yeah, because there's relatively little characterization, it's also like, oh, I guess no one's really going to like sort of mourn or or feel anything really significant over the loss of this character. Right, precisely. And that, that just goes back to the fact that the character development is basically nil. Uh, Scott, I think you were not pleased a little bit later by the fact that there was just too much like AI doing stuff to fill oh, in the that's plot true. They had these They had these two AI guys, like one of the characters has written an AI and it kind of gets more powerful over the course of the show. And like there's two of them eventually because it's an AI, you can just copy it. And by the end, I feel like kind of too many of the problems were being solved by the AIs. Like the humans were like, 
oh boy, what are we going to do? And the AIs are like, I've got a whole suite of solutions. Let me just go fix that for you real quick. And the humans are like, all right, I guess we'll stay here. And then like, yeah, they like the humans did still have things that they needed to do, but it was, it seemed like they were more and more taking a backseat role to just having the AIs go fix it using, you know, technology magic. So I felt that like that was too bad. Even though I did like the AIs as characters, like they were kind of fun. They were fun. They had more, they had more characterization than anything. They did. Was. Yeah. They were super sassy. They were super fun. I didn't want to see anything bad happen to them. I, yeah, I completely agree, but it was, it was a good show. I, I think it was a good show. I would recommend yeah, it. Certainly. Definitely. I'd definitely give it a shot and I would definitely take notes. Yeah. Also, one of the characters is Brendan. What? Excuse me. Oh yeah, that's right. I have never seen, I've rarely seen a character in anime look more like you than this guy. Like uh, physically or phys- behaviorally? Physically, physically look more like Brendan. So whenever we saw him, like, ah, it's it's Dr. Brendan. Yeah, 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 yeah. His face, yeah, his face definitely, yep, looks like Dr. Brendan. Well, crud, I gotta watch the show now. Yeah, if, yeah. if you get a chance, or yeah, if you don't have the time, just look up a picture of uh, Ashihara. Yeah, Dr. We'll, Ashihara, we'll yep. You'd be like, look at this guy. I mean, he's it's a little bit like he's a little bit crazy, but the the overall features are there. So that was kind of fun too. Remember, Brendan, kill your double. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, man. It was like I planned it. Speaking of Castlevania gore, let's talk about Castlevania Four. I planned it. Oh, that's a leader there right you there. You rhymed. I know. It's mm. good. I'm getting my, getting my Yano on. All right, foreshadowing. All right, so. Uh, Castlevania season four, I'm going to cheat because Dan did, did Dota last time. So I'll, I'll do this. Um, hey, I'm okay with that. Yeah. This, this is special just cause I really love Castlevania. Like you, you want to talk about taking the, like the video game concept and actually building a story out of it. This, this is it. Um, I, I really do love what the writers have done with this show, the way they've characterized certain people like like Dracula or Alucard. Just all of these characters have so much personality and depth and uh, snappy dialogue. Uh, the fight sequences, I want to highlight. Like, the the so good. The, the animators are so aware of the characters' surroundings. Uh, they know when to like slow the frame rate to make it look cool. Just, just this. You're thinking of the fight in the rain, I, aren't you? Yes, and I'm also thinking of the one in the store in the the broken down church where. Oh yeah. Uh, Trevor's like scythe gets stuck in the. He he goes under this structure, and he's swinging this scythe around, and at one point he flips it because he wants to like basically slice the the monster crotch to crown, as Dan would say, and it he like. F- flicks it up too quick and it gets stuck in the wooden beam above him and he's like yeah he has to yank it out. he's like oh for crying out loud and i was like yes you're aware that he's in a cramped space underneath and this would get stuck probably like this would not go perfectly i'm not describing it well you really have to see it it's it's beautifully done uh you know, if you, even if you're someone who just loves animation and like the, the craft, there's there's so much technical skill on display. But I love all these people. Yeah, and I will also say that uh, it's just to touch on the animation for a second. Like, so many of the animators that are in or supporting uh, Powerhouse Studios, which is the ones who uh, are handling these series, 
are actually very active on like Twitter and other social media. So if you want to see like them showing like rough cuts and other things, you can see some of the creation process and it is absolutely worth it if you admire animation, just seeing how they nail uh, some of those movements and expressions and everything else. So I clearly should do that because I am in awe of how stunning this this show is. Uh, plot wise, I think it, it wraps everything up really nicely. This is the final season i've heard there's gonna be like some spin-off oh, stuff so yeah this is this is the end and i i think it does such a beautiful job of not overstaying its welcome you know it, it just does what it, it needs to do here in season four uh everybody moves forward with whatever their objectives are and just watching all these people change and grow and progress and, and get to the point that they are here in season four so worth it uh, this is how to do a video game adaptation right. Like who the the writers and the animators just need to, to have all the money to do all the things because just wow, just wow. I was really just moved, you know, by some of the characters. Hashtag Isaac for life. Like, oh, he's he's such a beautifully written character. Yeah, that was a turn I was not expecting at all. You're right. It was. They handle that very, very well. Like all of the characters get a very satisfying arc. Um, but just all these complex motivations on screen, you know what I mean? Like really having these these people well, well thought out, and this world well thought out. And people actually changing their minds when confronted by you know different uh, perspectives and experiences that they wow. hadn't counted yes. on. That is yes. rare. Yeah, because usually people just, you know, the, the easiest way to create conflict is to have two people with, you know, differing ideologies just smashing them at each other. And it's very rare where, that the, you know, one person's change of heart feels as genuine as it does in this one. Uh, and like Sue says, it doesn't feel rushed, but it doesn't overstay its welcome. It keeps itself at a clipped pace, and it makes sure that everything has the time it needs to really make the impact it wants to uh so yeah just very very it overcame some of the pacing issues i found in the earlier seasons which were really the only complaint i had um it uh it just feels very deliberately planned out and very uh effectively set up to give these characters their you know their the real send-off that they deserve after such a great build-up yeah Hi, Castlevania is highly, highly recommended, and I think, I don't know that I mentioned this, maybe I did season one back in the day at some point, but this show is unbelievably violent. Like, do not watch this with your kids, <laughs> do not watch this with your grandma, like, don't, don't, don't watch this with people uh, who, you know, are not designed this, to, to watch that level of gore. Like, I, I don't like that kind of stuff, so this is a tribute to the fact that I am peddling this show and i think it's phenomenal because oh the writing the characterization the animation just just so stunning that i was able to push push through that but this show is unbelievably violent uh you know viewer discretion is advised mm. yeah if you can tolerate the a bit of the old ultra violence it's definitely worth your time but yeah big big old uh content warning on that one it is it is not for everyone but for those willing to you know either look past that or who you know find that thing fun in its own kind of you know dark cathartic way definitely worth it i guess um 
Yeah, with the, you know, Castlevania was definitely a high point in uh, American anime, if you want to call it that. But uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about another um, American-produced, I guess, or American-led uh, anime production that was actually done by a Japanese studio, in this case, MAPPA, called Yasuke. Dan, it's my turn to inquire. I only made it through two episodes of this, and I was like, this is Moribito, but really bad. And I love the I loved the the character design, but the plot was just so uninteresting and chunky. Like they I, I didn't like it, so I'm gonna be very curious what you say here. Uh well, uh it's it's tough because the story of Yasuke, who is, he, some of you might be aware of this, it's a historical you know, kind of note in uh, you know the later part of um, the Warring States period, where Oda Nobunaga has all but succeeded in unifying Japan, uh, but is betrayed at the end and is and is killed. And uh, was it uh, Hideyoshi or Ah? God, I I don't remember exactly. Yeah, there a few a few dudes take power in rapid succession. Um, after after him, but Japan is essentially unified from that point onward. Uh, but an interesting footnote during this time period was also the first time that we know of that uh, there's been the first record rather of Japan encountering a person of African descent, uh, actually native African as far as the records are concerned, a slave uh, to the Portuguese who whose name nobody really knows or his original name nobody knows, but was referred to as Yasuke. Uh, and he was elevated eventually to the rank of samurai. He was he essentially became a retainer for Nobunaga, but he kind of disappears from the record, and nobody really knows what happened to him or where he ended up, uh, outside of a few you know things talking about when he would appear and people would be you know gawking and staring because they'd never seen anyone who looked like him. But um, instead of tell trying to tell you know a historical fiction story about him from a historical perspective, which is a fascinating thing to do, and there's a lot of, you know, room to make interesting contributions because we don't know, it's all very much a mystery. They decided to put it in this strange fantasy world, but with the backdrop of historical events that then give way to fantasy, because Dan, why at first are there it's laser like laser mechs in my sandwich. I don't know show. why there are laser mechs, Sue. I honestly could not tell you. It's due to magic that's all I that's all I get because like it starts out it has these flashbacks of Yasuke's time with Nobunaga and his entourage sort of unifying Japan and then with the betrayal and everything else and all of that's mostly presented in a very like historical context like the actual clans or uh you know an an analogs to them and the events are you know at least roughly true to the historical record but then sometime when Nobunaga is betrayed, it's implied that it's because of someone being controlled by magic or selling their or, or selling their soul effectively to some kind of weird ancient spider goddess. It doesn't make a lot of sense as to why, but all of a sudden there's <laughs> demons and mechs and this one like Russian werebear lady who's honestly kind of rad, but doesn't really make any sense either. So essentially, like <laughs> after the betrayal, he goes into hiding and you know becomes like this you know becomes a boatman and doesn't really do anything until you know the special girl with magical powers shows up and he has to now protect her because she's the only one who can you know, stop the reign of said evil spider goddess. And this took a turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it it to be fair, it takes that turn in the first episode, so you know you kind of you kind of know what you're getting into. 
but for all of the twists and turns and weirdness, it doesn't feel very well thought out, and the pacing is kind of odd. It takes a very long time to get going, to get into, uh, like, what the girl's deal is and why she's important, uh, and to get Yasuke sort of back into, I, you know, I, he, because he was a person of, you know, noble character, and he, you know, sort of, in many ways, embodied the strengths of the samurai better than any of the actual samurai around him, at least in this story. But, uh, Getting him back into that instead of, you know, trying to avoid getting dragged back in takes a really long time. And by the end, I genuinely felt like we skipped an episode at one point and we had to go back to check and make sure Uh-oh. that because the transition from like the second to last to last episode makes no sense in context. And it just feels very rushed at the end. And apparently they're trying to make more. I have no idea if it's going to succeed. But yeah. Uh, long story short, some interesting fights, some interesting history behind it, but frankly, the story that it is cribbing from is way more intriguing than the kind of mess of a show they ended up making. <laughs> they didn't need to bring Warriors Orochi and Sengoku Basara into this. E- exactly. That nice. kind of thing didn't feel necessary. Or if you were going to do that, then you should have been... I don't know. You should have been more upfront about it, or made it just just pull it into all the whole world. Like, okay, so Nobunaga was a demon or a god or some kind of nonsense. It's like, okay, fine. At least we're establishing that we're already on the other side of the veil here. We're not trying to make it feel like we're you know taking an, a historically inspired thing and turning it on its head. It's like few people know enough about this dude anyway that turning him into a magical black samurai feels like a weird place to start from <laughs> like we're already yeah we're, we're, he doesn't even have an established legend in most people's minds and we're already gonna do, like fly off in a different direction with it precisely yeah so it just i can't really recommend it which is a real shame because i wanted to like it i wanted to enjoy it more than i did because it's an opportunity to tell a really cool story and despite a few interesting turns and some decent fight animation it just isn't really worth your time. It's just kind of a mishmash of ideas all thrown together that don't really come together into anything satisfying, so... Yeah. I guess I will say, Dan, since there are so few of these, uh, it's pretty easy for me to say that I think this is, like, the best anime black character I've ever seen. We'll just call it an anime, because it's made by MAPPA. So... From, like, a character design standpoint? From a character design standpoint. Yes. Mm. Like, wow. I will say, yeah, they do a very good job of, you know, just, like, again, he's, his, his physicality, his presence, his look, his, his voice, uh, all of that is fantastic. All of that is really well done. Um, I think, you know, they, they obviously cared about how they were presenting him not to be, you know, stereotypical, not to be, you know, not to fall back on tropes or any of that kind of stuff. Like, other than the fact that, you know, he is a titan compared to everyone around him, which historically, apparently, was what everyone said, but, you know, who knows exactly how, how big this guy was supposed to be. Uh, he looks great. He, you know, he has a, he has a very strong presence, um, and I can't think of many other uh, shows that put that level of care into showing a uh, person of African descent, especially from Japanese studios because it's just not a thing that they do very often and when they do it's real hit or miss on how it's going to turn <laughs> out if it's going to feel uh, it is like it's go- sometimes it feels like okay this is cool they are you know they're relying on some 
kind of outdated or maybe misrepresentation uh, of uh, of how people look, or they just go, you know, and it's like this is this is borderline this is insulting guys. Like, do better. This is not one of those cases. They actually did seem to care. So good on them for that. Good times. But yeah, that's that's a shame. That's a shame. Darn shame. Maybe someone else will actually pick it up and make the historical version. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm we'll glad you ended crossed. up doing that, that work for me, Dan. I'm glad I tapped out after <laughs> episode two. It's what I'm here. For, it's what I'm here for. Sometimes uh, we we got to watch each other's it's backs, true. and sometimes that just means watching shows that uh, the other that other people were kind of iffy on, yep. confirming or denying their suspicions. Very nice. Very nice. All right, what's up next? You know what? We're gonna pick it up with uh, Vivi Fluorite Eyes song, which. Boy, this show is really good. Like, I don't know what I was expecting going in, but uh, it's With excellent. With like that, it could be literally anything. Literally I have anything. no clue what it's about. Yeah, it's basically like uh, there's there's AIs that have been, like, we have AIs. They are each given one mission. The main character is given the mission of singing to make everyone happy. And then, like, an AI from the future shows up and says, hey, I've been sent back in time 100 years because there's going to be a gigantic war between AIs and humans, and we need to change the key points in history that will prevent this from happening. And, like, that's your lead-in. And he also has, like, he has video footage from the future to prove it. Uh, And so, and, like, the reason they picked her was not because she's amazing or particularly powerful, because she's the only AI that's still in a museum at the time of the uprising. So they know she's still, like, going to be around for this time period. And... It looks amazing. I mean, just the animation is always good. The fight scenes are even better than that. I mean, just top notch. Just interject quick. Uh, this is Studio Wit, guys. So the, the studio that primarily did Attack on Titan and like all that time having to do those wild and crazy camera angles, those speedy fight scenes. Like, oh, it's all like this is honed skill here. This show looks beautiful. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And the music's great, like, as you'd hope for from a show about an idol singer doing stuff. Like, the theme song is really good. Yes, The music yes in the show is really good. Uh, like, I like that one a lot. Like, the story itself is excellent and really engaging, like, because every episode will be like, ah, it's been 30 years. What's the new status of society? What's the key point we're trying to change this time? And it's always something, like, interesting that you're not expecting. Like, you know, it's stuff like what laws get passed to give AIs more rights or the first marriage between a human and an AI or the first suicide of an AI. Like how do we change these points in history to change how things developed? Uh, Like the characters are solidly characterized. Like they do a really good job with them and it manages to have moments of levity among a very tense, dramatic and oftentimes depressing plot. Yeah. I was going to say as Scott was kind of alluding to, uh, one time I think I, I joked with you, Scott, I was like, is this show just like bad things happen to everyone all the time? Because <laughs> I, I am going to be very honest, this is not a nice show. Like, n- very not nice things are going to happen. To the- I, mean, I wouldn't call it like grimdark by any means, but it's it's really rough stuff. It's rough. Like, nothing good ever happens to anyone. Like, everything will end in tragedy. Yes. Pretty much all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of one of those questions like, is all of this tragedy worth serving the ultimate goal of not having a giant war between humans and AIs? When you could have just been killing Sarah Connor. Right? Like, just, is there other means we could take? It's sort of like, 
the development of AIs is a foregone conclusion, how do we prevent the war itself? Yeah, it's really great. Uh, another pervading theme, which I thought was interesting, as all this plot is going on about her trying to, to prevent these key points in time from happening, was the idea of Vivi trying to understand her mission itself. So like Scott said, every AI is given a singular mission. That mission defines who they are, and they live, live, in quotation, for that mission and that mission only. They don't change. Like You never change your mission. So actually, when, when the that advanced AI appears the first time, Vivi's super conflicted because she's like, my mission is to sing, like, what is, what is it exactly phrase? Like, sing from the bottom of my heart to make everyone happy. And he's like, no, no, you have to, like, help me, like, stop the war. And she's like, that is not my mission. And he's like, too bad. I have chosen you. And so this this idea of being in a conflict, right, of, of having these effectively two missions and throughout this process, trying to figure out what sing from the bottom of my heart means as an AI. And that's a really like big theme that, that Vivi is struggling with as she moves forward and meets all these different uh, AIs and, and people in her life that push her towards what the final definition is. So I really loved this show. Like it's very high. Yeah. This season on, on my- Very high recommendation. Yeah. Like probably, in fact, only one other show that for me this season has a higher recommendation. Like this is number two. Very good. Very, very good. So the highest of praise. Yeah, just be ready to go into it. Like I said, it is not, it's not a pleasant time, but it is extremely well told. Yeah, pick, pick something fluffy to counterbalance. <laughs> yeah, right. They yeah, recommend some, some uh, 300 years slime witch show, like to balance this out. <laughs> the old incongruous power hour. <laughs> the incongruous power hour. Exactly. All right. Um, I will jump in with Way of the House Husband. So this is a show you can watch on Netflix right now. The episodes are really short, like 17 minutes a pop or something. Uh, I think this this got a lot of flack for its animation. So I would describe this as almost like static stills from the manga that have had color applied to them. And then every once in a while, there's like a flip or a twist of a character to convey movement. So it's, oh, yeah, it looks. So I've heard this referred to as like animatics or kinetic, like kinetic storytelling or something. I've motion heard. comics is the most common. Uh, motion motion comic. Okay. Yeah. So motion comic would, would be the term for it. Yeah. Calling it an anime is not really accurate. Yeah. I, I, I'll give it that, but. I don't care what any of those people say. I think this show is hilarious. Like, I love the visual oh, gags. Yeah, I love the visual gags. I love the characters. I love, like, the speed and the way they use their limited motion to the utmost effect. I thought it was so funny, and I would absolutely watch more of this. So, Dan, maybe, Dan, maybe you didn't feel the same, but I just thought it was riotously funny. <laughs> No, I don't know if I thought I don't know if I was like you know laughing all the uh, at all of the jokes, but uh, it was solidly funny. It was really you know it was kind of cute and charming in that way, and uh, yeah, they do a decent job with the limitations that they chose. I think it's just a matter of people misunderstanding what it was going to be, um, and yeah, if that's not what you look we're looking for, I understand people dis being disappointed, but it doesn't detract from the writing, and that's really the star here. It's snappy. It's you know good again, good delivery. Uh, from everyone involved. 
um, the main character is both a adoring husband and a terrifying ex Yakuza member. So like, there's a lot of humor to be milked out of that. So it is, it is just a good time all around and definitely worth it. Just again, go in knowing that this isn't going to be a full on anime. That's all you need to do. After that, you can enjoy it without any reservations, I think. Yeah, that's great. But it like really lives that gag, you know, to to the fullest. Like Dan said, he's ex Yakuza, so at one point one of my that was one of my favorites was he's at the grocery store, right? And he's all about like getting good deals, right? But he looks at this cabbage or something and now it's fifty percent off and he like picks up the cabbage and he's like, Look at you. Look at you. How you've fallen. You're no longer one of the real members, are you? 50% off. Hmm. This is this is a tragedy. And then, like, the woman who works in the grocery store is an ex-Yakuza wife, like, mob boss wife. And so she's, like, putting stickers on these things for 50% off and, like, insulting them as she goes. She's, like, pitiful. <laughs> pitiful. I should have you beaten for this. Look at you. Pathetic. And it's, it's this hilarious gag that they're both just, like... Mm. Like treating these vegetables like they are gang members that have been like deranked or something. Just oh, so funny, so funny. It all works together super well. The only thing I would say is that some of the jokes may rely on a better knowledge of like yakuza culture or pop culture yakuza, I guess, than I necessarily have. So they may not land a hundred percent of the time. But it's still a lot of fun, and you know, some between the wordplay and the timing of it, it's still funny more times than it isn't. I think it was a nice testament to the fact that like you don't have to have this really flashy animation to make something fun. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. That is a good thing. Like you know, if you want to save some production costs, but you still have a good manga, like do this. Especially if you keep it short and snappy like this, because they don't have to fill time or you know queue up extra frames or any of that kind of stuff they can just get to the point and for a comedy especially i think that works very nicely because it doesn't uh it doesn't oversay its welcome or feel like the comedy is being dragged out to the point of being unfunny all right well we'll see you guys in part three <laughs>